telling you this morning, there is a powerful presence of the Lord. Powerful presence of Almighty God. And the service could not have been set up any better than what it was this morning for the word that the Lord gave me late last night for someone here in this building. The Lord has spoken very plainly over the past few weeks. There's times that the word of God was very direct to us as a body. And believe me today, before it ever came across this pulpit, God worked me over first. And I've done a lot of examination of my own soul over the past few weeks. And I compliment your sensitivity to the spirit. I compliment your responsiveness to the word of God. It was never my intention, and I, I pray that it has not happened, but I, I pray that I never come across offensive to anyone. I just want to be a messenger of the Lord. I always pray that every word that comes out of my mouth would be dipped in love and delivered on angels' wings because I don't want to offend anybody. I pray that I haven't done so. I just want to leave your spirit better when I'm done than when I started. And this morning I'm here to tell you that the Lord is going to touch someone. The Lord is going to touch someone's soul today. I know what I felt late last night. Sir, you've been carrying a lot of weight. You're here this morning from an invite. But what you feel is what you've been searching for. And God's going to touch you today if you'll open your heart. Book of Luke chapter 15, we'll go there. Appreciate this wonderful church and wonderful pastor and his wife. His family has been so kind to us. It's a privilege to stand in this pulpit, deliver the word of the Lord, Luke chapter 15. I'm going to preach my message today, but towards the end of my message, I'll give my testimony. It's what God has brought me through, done for me. And I pray that by the end of this service today that the Holy Ghost will do the same for you. Verse 11 says, And he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would, have, and he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have, have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son and make me as one of thy hired servants. 
He arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. For the sake of time, I will stop right there. You understand the setting of our scripture. I want to preach this morning a tale of two prodigals. A tale of two prodigals. Father, this morning, there's a sweet presence in this building. God, there are people here today that have come to this house and they are seeking direction. They're seeking help. On the outside, they have maintained a posture of confidence. On the inside, they have crumbled. God, today I want you to build them back. I want your spirit today to restore, strengthen, forgive, welcome home. In the name of Jesus. And the church said amen this morning. Clap your hands unto the Lord one more time. Amen. Lord bless you today. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Tale of two prodigals. Independence is a wonderful thing. You'll never realize how independent you are until you visit places that have no independence. They don't have liberty as you and I know it. We as humanity with our pride and our egos, like to exercise our independence as we see fit. We feel like we are in control when we do whatever our heart desires. We like to be in control. We like to be in control. We like to make our own decisions. We think we know what's best for our own lives. Independence. I'll begin by telling you a story. When I got married, I was 19 years old. My family didn't travel much. If we did, we just did whatever mom and dad said we were to do. You know, if they wanted to go back to the hotel room and just chill out, eat ham sandwiches, I didn't have a vote. We was going back to the hotel room, and we was eating ham sandwiches. If they wanted just to, well, everybody's going to lay down and take a nap. Everybody's laying down and taking a nap. You don't have a vote. When I got married, I was 19 years old. I told my wife this years later, I'll never forget. I will never, as long as I live. When I left Westlake, you have to, if you've never been there, when you, when you get on I-10 going east, at the, there's a huge old bridge. It goes almost straight up, and you cross straight down. I'll never forget the sheer terror in my 19-year-old mind going up the base of that bridge going, what am I going to do? I've never been independent. 
I never lived on my own, much less I've got a wife. And now she's looking at me going, what are we going to do? I don't know what we're going to do. I've never been in this situation before. I was terrified because I had been given a liberty, an independence that I have never, I never had that before. But there are some people that they can't wait for their own independence. They think that they know what's best for their life. They think that they've got it all figured out. Can I tell you that independence is great, but it can also lead to a lot of grief, a lot of heartache, a lot of misery. It's not the best thing there is just to be free as a bird. You don't know what's best for you. You're looking at a piece of the puzzle. It's green and you think it's a rainforest. It's a piece of lettuce when you look at the whole puzzle. You're judging your circumstances based upon what you see. The Bible says now we see through a glass darkly. You don't know the whole picture. And you're making permanent decisions based on temporary circumstances. Decisions that you make are affecting not only you, but they're affecting your family. They're affecting your parents. You don't see the late nights that your parents stay up long at night praying that you would come to your senses. I feel the Holy Ghost a little bit this morning. Can I talk to someone who's been trying to exercise their own independence? Independence has caused more grief than what you can wrap your mind around. I'm grown now. You can't tell me what to do. Independence has split more homes and churches than you'll ever realize. People who feel like they know what's best for them. They know the course better than the pastor, even more so better than God. All because someone thought that they knew what was best. And because they had a little independence, they set out to do what their heart desired. Independence is not a bad thing as long as you understand that you must be dependent upon God. There are people, though, that feel like they can be free as a bird and do what they want to do, and God will always be around. And so they start just like the first prodigal. He felt like he knew what was best for his situation. He felt like he understood the the future of his life better than anyone else. The term prodigal means to spend lavishly or extravagant if you use it as an adjective. The most common parable relating the story of the prodigal is focusing on the prodigal son. The son that asked for his inheritance, and then set out to fulfill his heart's desire. We don't have a time frame. We don't know if it was six months, if it was a year, if it was two years. But we do know that there was some time that had transpired, enough time for him to squander all that he had. 
whatever it was that he left with, he had fulfilled his desires and he was left a broken man. He was left living with the pigs, feeding the pigs. Everything that he did, he spent everything that he had. I'm sure that he did not live the life that he envisioned him living. Can I talk to someone today who was living the life that you didn't plan on living? You're experiencing heartache that you didn't plan on experiencing. And God didn't want you to experience it. Can I talk to someone today whose feet have walked a path that you never predicted? You find yourself fellowshipping with people that you didn't think you'd ever be around. You're laying your head on a pillow that sopped with tears saying, where have I gone? Where have my decisions led me? Those decisions have led to where your heart desired. And what started as a thought has now become a thing. And that thing that was buried in your soul has now evolved and manifested itself in your life. And you're going places that you never thought you would go. Your home is split. You didn't think that would ever happen. Your parents may not be talking to you. They're praying for you, but you have isolated or alienated yourself from all of those people that love you, care for you. Prodigal son never thought that his decisions would take him down that road. It was all hunky-dory, if you please, at the beginning. It was all pleasing. Everything was beautiful. But you fast forward however many months or years that he found himself in a condition that he didn't think he would ever be in. He exercised his independence. But he alienated himself from people that loved him. But there came a day. There came a day that he came to himself. Hear me today. If it gets bad enough and you get miserable enough, you'll start doing a little soul searching. You'll start reflecting back on the the choices that you've made. You'll start analyzing the advice given from a concerned parent or concerned pastor or grandparent or a friend. You'll start analyzing all of that in the middle of your mess. And you're going to come to yourself. And you're going to be honest with yourself. Before you can escape the pig pen, before you can leave your mess, you have to come to yourself. I'm sure the battle in his mind, my goodness, I couldn't imagine what was going on in his mind. All of the decisions that he made, all of the inheritance the emotions, the guilt, the shame, the embarrassment, everything was racing through his mind. Everything. I'm sure he thought of people that he could call and maybe go spend the night at their house, but he had already run out of all options. He 
He'd alienate himself. Can I talk to someone today? You're running out of options. You're running out of options. The, the path that you have chosen seemed well at the beginning, but you're at a place now where you're, you're isolated. You're running out of options. You have to come to yourself. And finally, finally, he said, you know what? I'm better off going back home, doing nothing as far as being royalty. But I'm better off being at the bottom of the pole, bottom of the ladder, the lowest of lowest. I'm better there than being the best out here. Can I tell you today, you're better off being in the house of God, doing nothing but just basking in his presence than being out there doing the best thing the world has to offer. Just being in the presence of God. He didn't go there seeking his presence, his gifts. He went seeking his presence. And because he went seeking his presence, in turn, the Father gave him his presence. We got this thing all wrong. It's not about the, what can God do for us. It's about I want to be in the presence of the Lord. Hear me. You'll fall in love with him when you just get in his presence. That was the first prodigal. I want to talk about the second prodigal this morning. We spent all the time talking about the first prodigal, the prodigal son that always left and spent lavishly and extravagantly. But the second prodigal is the prodigal father. Because the Bible said, when he saw him afar off, he ran. And he fell on him. And he had compassion. And he embraced him. And he kissed him. And he loved him. He wasn't prodigal with his spending. He was prodigal with his love. It was extravagant love. It was lavish love. He showered him with his love. Can I tell you this morning, it doesn't matter how far you've gone, how wicked you've been, how much of a mess that you're in, but there's a prodigal father that is in the place this morning that will shower you with his love and with his mercy and with his compassion. He loves you. I'm here to tell you today, the devil tries to convince people that their sin is too wicked, that their mountain is too high, that their problems are too bad for God to ever love them. But I rebuke the adversary this morning that's been lying to your soul because there's a God in this place today that loves you with an unfailing love. He loves you. He loves you. The devil tries to convince people that they have to live in their mess and it'll never get better. That's a lie. That's a lie. You don't have to live in that place of indecision. You don't have to live in wickedness. You don't have to live in sorrow and in grief. All you've got to do this morning is come to yourself. You've got to come to yourself and realize I've got to make a change in my life. I've been going down the wrong path. I've been doing things I'm not proud of. 
I've been disappointing my parents like you wouldn't believe. You don't have to continue down that path, ma'am. You don't have to walk down that path, sir. All you have to do is come to yourself this morning. And when you make a move towards God, there is a prodigal father that is in the house. And he will shower you with his love and with his mercy. He was born and raised in this precious truth. Fifth generation on my parents' side. Second generation on my mother's side. All I know is Pentecost. Fifth pew, all the way to the left, you'll find games of tic-tac-toe underneath. I played those. I remember sleeping under the pews watching bobby pins fly. I remember the days of Pentecost. It's all I know. All I know is the name Jesus and Acts 2.30. It's all I know. I was about eight years old. Pastor or evangelist came through and he lined chairs all around the bill, all around the altar. Said, if you need something from God, you want the Holy Ghost, you need a miracle, come sit in one of these chairs and we're going to pray for you. All right. Sounds good to me. All my friends were doing it. I went and sat in the chair. Nothing happened. Zippity doo dah, nothing. Got up just like eight eight year old kid, seven eight years old. Went out in the hallway, went to the bathroom. My buddy was in the bathroom. He said, "Man, I got the Holy Ghost tonight." Did you? Well, you just got to understand my personality. I, I I don't like to lose. I don't like to be outdone. God's helped me since then. You know, I'm the kind of guy in high school. It didn't matter what grade I made as long as I turned my paper in first. It could have been an F, but if I beat everybody, I won. That's just my personality. And so I looked at my friend and I said, yeah, I got the Holy Ghost. And I didn't get anything. And I said, well, that's just, you know, we'll leave that in the bathroom, you know. Sorry, God. Well, we got inside the church and he had told my mom, and so I had to tell my mom. She goes, you got the Holy Ghost? Yeah, I, I, I got the Holy Ghost. Yeah, sure. And so she said, well, there's Brother Allen, the pastor. You tell him, Tyler. Whew. This thing's getting big. Oh, my goodness. Brother Allen, I got the Holy Ghost. Well, praise the Lord, Brother Tyler. And next service, he called me up to the platform to get my Holy Ghost certificate. And the whole way I'm going, oh, my Lord, I didn't get the Holy Ghost. Maybe this paper will get me into heaven. My boarding pass on the glory train. And that began the cycle of the torment of my mind. Because everybody thought I had the Holy Ghost. So I had to act like I had the Holy Ghost. You know how hard it is to act holy when you're really carnal? Don't answer it. You know how hard it is to try to pull the wool over everybody's eyes when you're tormented in your mind? Eight years old, nine years old. 
10 years old, 11, 12, and 13, 14, and 15 years old. I lived a lie. I was at church every time the doors opened. I sang on the platform, and I was scared out of my mind every time I walked up there because you had to have the Holy Ghost to be on the platform. And if God came back and only one person was standing on the platform, he didn't have the Holy Ghost. Of course, I'd have been looking at a lot of other people who didn't have the Holy Ghost either, so it wouldn't have mattered. But I would lay in my bed at night going, God, don't come back. I need the Holy Ghost. Every big name evangelist would come through that supposedly could pray through that chair, but they couldn't pray me through. I did everything to get the Holy Ghost. I cried. I begged. I danced on one foot. I twirled. I did everything that everybody said to get the Holy Ghost. All I wanted was the Holy Ghost. All I wanted was to be saved. There's many a nights I prayed and I cried myself to sleep thinking, what is wrong with me? Everybody else can get the Holy Ghost, but I couldn't get it. I would pray with people and they would get the Holy Ghost, but I couldn't get it. And my mind was under torment from the enemy because he had convinced me that because I lied, my sin was too great for God to fill me with the Holy Ghost. Because I lied about salvation, then that was unpardonable. And I would be forever lost in the devil's hell. Because I lied. I was living in the pig pen. Oh yeah, I was coming to church all the time. On the outside, everybody thought everything was great, A-OK. But they didn't see the torment in my mind. They didn't see the pig pen that I was living in. They didn't see the misery of my soul wrong with me God what is wrong with me have I messed up so bad that you can't forgive me have I messed up so bad that you can't fill me with the Holy Ghost I didn't know what to do about it I was ashamed I was embarrassed I didn't want to tell somebody I lied about the Holy Ghost I didn't want to tell somebody that I was, I was living in a, uh, living in a lie. I was afraid I'd be pulled off the platform. I was afraid I would be made a mockery. The devil starts tormenting you in your mind uh, and everything will go through your mind that'll try to prevent you from making a move towards God. You're looking at someone who was there. I was there. I understand and I can sympathize, ma'am, with you not wanting to make a move because you're embarrassed. I was there. Sir, I understand that you don't want to make a move because you're afraid people will judge you. I was there. You know, we we have become bound by public opinion. We have become bound. How many miracles are missed out on because you're too embarrassed to make a move towards God? I'm not talking about your situation. Let me just talk about me because I was there. I know where you're at. You're not going to tell me one excuse that I don't know because I have thought of every one of them. Hear me, I was bound for seven years. But there came a day I came to myself. There came a day when I stepped into my senses and I said, you know what? I'd rather be saved, embarrassed, than die with pride. 
I'd rather just go ahead and be embarrassed and make things right and get over my little embarrassment with the chance of going to heaven than to stay in my mess and my pride and know that I'm not going. I'm talking to someone this morning who's been contemplating your move towards God for a long time. You've been contemplating whether or not you want to make a move. Uh, You've let down people. You've let down your family. You've done things you're not proud of. Don't let your past dictate your future, ma'am. Don't let your mess-ups and your hang-ups of yesterday stop you from moving in God today and tomorrow. I came to myself, and I finally sat down with my youth pastor. I spilled my guts, and I told him, I said, I need the Holy Ghost. I need the Holy Ghost. I, I, I felt relieved on one hand because I came clean with my problems. But on the other hand, I was ashamed, I was embarrassed of all the things that I'd done. And please don't misunderstand me. I'm, I'm not making light of your situation. This, is, this was not drugs. This was not alcohol. But in my life, I was raising this thing. This was my torment. This was what held me back for many, many years. He said, Tyler, he said, you quit worrying about talking in tongues, son. You quit worrying about the gift of the Holy Ghost. You're majoring on the minor right now. He said, if you'll just worship God, fall in love with God. He said, it's going to happen, and you're not even going to know what happened. That sounds easy enough. I'll never forget it. I'll take you to the spot, June of 1999 at youth camp. I was praying with a friend of mine. Day service. God doesn't even move in day services, but this was a day service. I'm just picking, please. I had my arm around my friend. Somebody came, laid hands on him. But because I was just lost in his presence, I began to speak in the most beautiful language that I had ever heard in my life. And I fell in love with God. I received power of the Holy Ghost. It wasn't a lie any longer. It wasn't a lie. I experienced restoration. And God proved to me that day, it doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter all of your mess-ups, all of your hang-ups. I had been convinced by the enemy that my lie and my sin was too much and that God couldn't forgive me and that God couldn't fill me with the Holy Ghost. But that day God proved to me, he proved to me, I'll be a prodigal father. I'll shower you with my love and my mercy and my forgiveness. Stand with me this morning if the musicians could come. Sir, what you're feeling today is the love of a father. Ma'am, that drawing that you're feeling today is the love of a father. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know how much grief you caused your family. I don't know what you're hiding like I hid for years and years and years. I don't know that. Don't want to know that. You don't have to tell me anything today. 
But I do know that there is a prodigal father in this place that loves you beyond human comprehension. And your sin isn't too bad. Your past isn't too dark. Your baggage isn't too heavy. But what the heavenly father this morning cannot take you and embrace you in his arms. And when you open up your heart, you're going to feel a love beyond human reasoning. I was there. I'm telling you this from experience. I was there. I was convinced I was too bad for God. Raised in a Christian home at church every time the doors were open. But I was lost as lost could be. But there came a day when the prodigal father saw me coming. And he opened up his arms to me. I would like this morning for for everyone in the building, if you could please bow your head. Whether you're a guest or you're a member of this church, it makes God no difference today. But you know, I think there's services where it's good if everybody came running to God. I think it would be pleasing to God today if we all fell in love with Him like it was the first time. I would like for us, everybody in the building, to repent together. We're going to cleanse our hearts before God, and then we're going to make a move towards God today. And and He's going to shower us with His love. Would you repent in your own way, Father? Lord, you see my sin. You see those things in my life that are not pleasing to you. I repent of my sin today. I repent of my wickedness. I repent of all the things, Lord, that I've done that I'm not proud of. I repent. I repent, I repent, God. Forgive me of my sin, Lord. Forgive me of my sin and my wickedness this morning. Now all across this building, from the front to the back, side to side, I believe it would be pleasing to the Lord if we all moved to the front as a sign of us coming to God with love and sincerity. I believe his arms are outstretched this morning to you. Please, no one's going to do anything to you. No one's going to harm you. No one's going to come and judge you. But this is you and God this morning. This is you and God. God loves you. He died for you. He's going to take care of you today. Can we lift our hands as you get to the front? Would you open your heart to the Lord today? I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you.